tonight. So if you would stand, I do want to read, uh, if you guys could put that on the screen. I, I, I felt what a, um, I enjoyed myself last week at the Because of the Times conference. It is, uh, I think this was their 31st or 32nd year of that conference. Wow, I'm still going through puberty, I think, voices changing. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a great meeting. A lot of lives have been impacted. And I felt some direction from the Lord uh, during that. And, and I feel like uh, uh, there's a lot of different things, some that maybe you're aware of and probably a lot that you're not, that I feel like God is just amazing how He's putting the pieces together. I go back, communicated to our elders. I go back to our leadership summit in November and things that are happening, some things Bishop said, especially Sunday night, and, and, and uh, it, it is exciting to see what God is doing. And so last week I, I felt impressed, uh, and, and then um, Sunday night several things that Bishop said, uh, not only things he said, but, but what in general was communicated, I felt confirmation. And so I, I, a theme for the next several weeks uh, it, here in Arnold on, in the evenings, so Thursday and Sunday evening, it's going to be the backdrop on the screen. Uh, our theme for the next several weeks is going to be, Thy Kingdom Come. And uh, the Lord willing, and what I feel at this point, the next several Thursday nights at least, I plan to, to teach and minister under that banner, um, and because, and, and I will come back to this probably more in depth tonight or in the next couple of weeks. When we talk about spiritual warfare, when we talk about reaching the lost, we're, we're talking about the kingdom coming, the kingdom being established. And so uh, that's, that's, um, uh, that, that's what this is all about. So let me just read one quick passage and then we'll pray and you can be seated. Matthew 6, 9 and 10, we could all probably quote it without Reading it, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then what did he say? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The Message Bible says that verse simply like this. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Do what's best as above, so below. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your presence tonight. Thank you for your hand of protection that's been upon us to arrive here tonight. And I also trust you and believe you in advance that your hand will be upon all of us as we travel home this evening, that you would give us safe travels to our, to our homes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray your blessings upon us tonight, upon your word, that your spirit would speak to our hearts that we would be open to hear and receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So I, I want to kind of do a little brief introduction overview. And then there's one main point I feel to make tonight. And, and, uh, and, and it's kind of the, the kickoff. And, and it ties in with, with a point, very clear point Bishop made on Sunday night. But in, in, in the New Testament, the phrase kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, the phrase kingdom of heaven is found 32 times 
And they're all in the, all the, all in the book of Matthew. Kingdom of heaven. And then the, the phrase kingdom of God is found 69 times in the New Testament. So 32 times kingdom of heaven just, just in the book of Matthew. 69 times the kingdom of God throughout the New Testament. I think that implies, that communicates the kingdom of God is a pretty significant theme. It was a, and, and as I will read here in a moment, it was, it was really the focus. It was about what was being done, the establishing of the kingdom of God. And, and I don't know if in the future, I don't really intend at this point that I know of, we may in the future, but part of the misunderstanding was that the followers of Jesus, they were anticipating Him establishing an earthly kingdom. They were anticipating a war, a battle, overthrowing the Romans and any other oppressors, and them, naturally speaking, establishing their kingdom. But that, that's not what He had come to do at that point in time. And I think sometimes we face the same struggle in our walk with God. We've got some expectations on what we think God has come to do or what we want God to do, or how we want God to do it. And the majority of the time, we're, 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 not, we're not on. I don't know about you, but there's never been a time God ultimately did something the way I assumed or thought or planned He was going to do it. There's always something about what He does that's a little bit unexpected or a little twist in it. So... John the Baptist, this was the theme of John the Baptist, Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, this is, this is in Matthew chapter 4, this is following his baptism, this is this is basically right after his time in the wilderness and the temptations that he went through in the wilderness in verse 4 and chapter 4 verse 17 of Matthew it says from that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand our job one of our jobs is to manifest the kingdom of God to have the kingdom manifested in our lives, but also to manifest it in the lives of others. And Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice that both John and Jesus said, that they, they didn't say the kingdom of heaven is coming. They weren't prophesying about what was going to happen. They said, it's at hand, it's here now. So if it was here, if it was there then, then it ought to be here now. And I know we're ultimately looking for, for, for eternity and where, where we will rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. And, and all of that's going to be literal stuff. But in the meantime, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so... John declares it, Jesus declares it, he comes preaching again, 32 times, 69 times throughout the New Testament. We find those, 
the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God being an underlying theme. We've got parables about it. We've got, we've got things being talked about what it is. Paul says the kingdom is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we've, we've got this theme of the kingdom throughout the New Testament. But this wasn't something that just happened. It wasn't some brand new idea when Jesus came to this earth. Because Daniel prophesied in chapter 7, verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So Daniel prophesies in advance Jesus is coming to establish the kingdom. The Message Bible says it this way, He was given power to rule all the glory of royalty, Everyone, race, color, and creed had to serve him. His rule would be forever, never ending. His kingly rule would never be replaced. So what Jesus came to do was fulfill what was prophesied already that was going to happen. I don't know. I'm afraid that a lot of times we apostolics the ones with all of our great revelation and knowledge and understanding of Scripture, that we apostolics live so far below our potential, so far below what God intends to to do in and through our lives. Because everywhere we go, if we've got the Holy Ghost, we're bringing the kingdom. We are manifesting the kingdom. We're not just Christians. We're not just members of a church. We're not just apostolics or Pentecostals, but we are a part of the kingdom. And Daniel said it's a kingdom that's going to last forever. And I realize when we look around right now, it doesn't look like it's a whole lot in comparison to a lot of other stuff that's going on. But here's the good news for us and the bad news for everybody else is we got a promise. I don't care what the dominating forces of our world today are. They have no promise they're going to rule forever. That's why Moses, when he came to a point to decide, am I going to stick with the Egyptians or am I going to go with the children of Israel and take bondage? He decided to go with the Israelites and give up everything Egypt had to offer because what Egypt had was temporary and it wasn't going to last. And what Israel had was temporary and it wasn't going to last. But the outcome of each was a whole lot different. Folks, you got to just make up your mind sometimes. If nothing else, you just going to hang on. I, I know we're supposed to be more than conquerors. I get that. But sometimes we just got to be hanger-oners. 
But I may not be conquering. I may not be taking new territory. But neither am I letting go and giving up. I've heard Brother Whaley, he said it to me several times through the years in conversation. I've told God, I'm going to get a bulldog grip on you and I won't let go. I'm sorry, I know we are more than conquerors. We, that's what we're called to be, but let's be honest, we're not always conquering. Well, you got to hang on because we got a promise. You got to hang on because whatever the circum- negative circumstances we may be in right now, we got to promise that at some point it's not always going to be like this because not only is there universal promises to the church, but we got some promises to us as an individual body. And then a bunch of you got your own personal promises. So it's not about what it looks like right now. It's about what God said he would do. Sorry, I haven't preached in about two weeks. I just got to scratch it a little bit. Every knee shall bow. Oh, I know it don't look like it. ISIS this, Islam that, this religion, that religion, this political agenda, that political... But every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a kingdom that's going to last forever, never ending. This is only the beginning. This isn't the ending. This is only the start. This is not the culmination. Hang on. It's not going to be like this forever. Job said, all the days of my, I I, I may get the words mixed up a little bit, but the gist of what he said was, all the days of my appointed time will I wait because my change will come. Job was saying, it ain't always going to be like this. Now I do have to tell you, sometimes your change comes on the other side. Sometimes it comes this side. You know what? Everybody's going to get healed one day if you're saved. May not be here now, but there's coming a day when this mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. So I may not get my healing in this life, but I'm going to get it in that life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sorry, I got to rein it in. (laughs) Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says this. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This sublime phrase used in none of the other gospels occurs in this peculiarly Jewish gospel nearly 30 times. And being suggested by Daniel's grand vision of the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven to the Ancient of Days to receive his investiture in a worldwide kingdom, it was fitted at once both to meet the national expectations and turn them into the right channel. A kingdom for which repentance was the proper preparation behooved to be essentially spiritual. What, what, what he's saying is, somebody ought to notice when he said, repent, the kingdom is at hand. 
they ought to have realized something spiritual is going on first and foremost, not a natural kingdom. The kingdom is at hand, and the way you get into the kingdom, there's got to be some repentance. Deliverance from sin, the great blessing of Christ's kingdom, can be valued by those only to whom sin is a burden. John's great work accordingly was to awaken this feeling and hold out the hope of a speedy and precious remedy. Listen to Adam Clark. Uh, There's a lot in from here. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to just read about half of it. If you want the notes, you can read the rest yourself later. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Referring to the prophecy of Daniel, Daniel 7, 13 and 14, where the reign of Christ among men is expressly foretold. This phrase and the kingdom of God mean the same thing, namely the dispensation of infinite mercy and manifestation of eternal truth by Christ Jesus, producing the true knowledge of God, accompanied with that worship which is pure and holy, worthy of that God who is its institutor and its its object. I want you to get this part here. I want you to file it in your short-term memory because it ties in to where I'm ultimately going tonight. But why is this called a kingdom? He didn't come and say the club is at hand. The social group is at hand. He came and said the kingdom. The kingdom. So why is this called a kingdom? Because it has its laws. It, the kingdom, has its laws. All the moral precepts of the gospel... Its subjects, all who believe in Christ Jesus and its King, the Sovereign of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ never saved a soul which He did not govern. Well, I know some people claim to be saved that aren't governed, then maybe it would stand a reason they're not saved. I didn't write it, so I can say without hesitation, this is good, and I'm going to read it again. Jesus Christ never saved a soul which He did not govern. Nor is this Christ precious or estimable to any man who does not feel a spirit of subjection to the divine will. You and I ought to be, we ought to feel constrained by the will of God. I I challenge Sunday evening those that are involved in the Antioch licensing process because a bunch of them jumped in it all excited about it but kind of haven't done a whole lot. That's the difference between what you choose to do as an extracurricular activity and a calling. When Elijah came by and cast his mantle on Elisha, that was symbolic of a calling for Elisha. And notice what Elisha did. 
at that moment, he absolutely stopped what he was doing. He went and burned the animals, burned the instruments that he was using to plow, and went after Elijah with everything he had because he was embracing a call. He was in subjection to the divine will. So maybe you're not called to preach. Maybe you're not called to be a pastor, an evangelist, or a missionary. But the bottom line is everybody that's saved is called into ministry. So that means for every born-again believer, there is a divine will. And the divine will may not be for you to be a pastor or a bishop or whatever, a congregation leader. But if you're saved, there is a divine will. And it's not optional. And if you know, if you think you know what the will of God is for your life, and then choose not to do it, you are sinning. Because to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. I just, I, I, I took piano lessons. I've taken piano lessons several times in my life. A couple times, oh, the first time when I was, a, I was a teenager, actually I don't think I was quite a teenager. The first time I was about 10 or 11. And then the second time was actually back in the, Late 90s, I think, when Brother Barry was teaching lessons here. And a guy coming from Delaware was teaching lessons in the school. And I was in my late 20s, older than that, probably. Anybody here take lessons from Brother Barry? They remember? Nobody, no, no students? It's probably been 15, 20 years ago. So, um, actually, Elizabeth, you did, didn't you? So it wouldn't have been 20 years ago. Um, so anyway, I, 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 I took them, I was principal of the school, and I, I took them again then, and, and then I, I took trumpet lessons, and, and, and I've got, I still have the trumpet that I had, and it's been, it's, I, it's, in, it's in a case, and so actually, <clears throat> I've sort of been toying with the idea, you know, I, I know I'm 43, but I got a lot of life left to live, and I'm not too old to learn how to do something new, so I've been thinking about you can do about anything online these days, and so cheap, free, whatever. And so I, I went, and I, I had to take Nathaniel to his violin lesson yesterday, and, and I went in, and I got me some, some uh, uh, lubricant for my trumpet because the things don't move and all that because it's... Because I'm, I'm thinking about learning how to play the trumpet. Thinking about it. I want to. I really want to. See how bad I want to by what I do. See, we actually really do what we want to do. My, my point in that is, if I learn how to play the trumpet, great. Wonderful. If I don't learn how to play the trumpet, my loss. Oh, the, the years I wasted as a youth thinking I was too busy to take lessons and practice and uh, just think I could have, I, I wouldn't have had to have Sister Trish to play melodiously. I could have been my own psalm, psalmstress as a female, so psalmist, duh, David's a psalmist, how could I not, thank you. <laughs> I could have been my own psalmist, serenaded you while I shot you full of holes. <laughs> 
But if I learn to play it, great. If I don't, my loss, no big deal. This, this thing I do of preaching, it's not like that. I like that. Sister Gross, if I decide, you know what, I've had enough, I'm find something else to do. Go find something easier to do. If I do that, my calling hasn't changed. The divine will has not changed. And so I know what I'm supposed to do, and if I choose not to do it, it's not just a preference. If I don't learn how to play the trumpet, I'm not sinning. Because I'm not called to play the trumpet. I just kind of wish I knew how. I like to whistle. I'd, I'd like to play the trumpet. I know whistling's a whole lot easier than the trumpet, so I may stick to whistling. We'll see. Subjected to the divine will. One more time, and then I'm moving on. Why is this called a kingdom? See, we like all those other... It's a flock. We're a flock, man. We're just a bunch of people being cared for, taken care of, shepherds protecting us, leading us beside still water. And, and I, we are a flock. We're a family. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. It's, we're a family. We're, 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 we're several other things. But he said, I've come to preach the kingdom. The kingdom. So, moving along, I'm, I, again, if you want notes, uh, you can read, get them and read all that later. So, so let, let's, I'm, I'm only going to go a couple more minutes. That's all relative. So, <laughs> monarchy. The word mon, these are both Webster's definitions. Monarchy. It is a state or nation in which the supreme power is actually or nominally lodged in a monarch. It is a supreme power or sovereignty held by a single person. Throughout much of history, the world has been ruled by a king or a queen. A kingdom is a country whose ruler is a king or a queen. And I love, this is Webster's definition. I love this. The spiritual world of which God is king. Capital G. That's not no religious dictionary. That's good old Miriam Webster. The spiritual world of which God is king. So when you're talking about a kingdom, you got to have a king or a queen. You got a, you got a king or a queen who has the power, the authority to rule. And throughout history, there have been good kings and queens and there have been bad kings and queens. But, but here and here's the, here's what I, and, and this ties in with something Bishop said Sunday night. I'm going to say it in a little bit different way and use the terminology of this lesson tonight. You can't establish His kingdom somewhere else until it is first established in your life.
You can't go trying to establish God's kingdom in your neighborhood, on your job, on your whatever, in your family, if in your life the kingdom of God is not established. If the king is not on the throne in your life, don't be trying to make him king in everybody else's life. So we're about to enter into spiritual warfare, a new season of spiritual warfare, which is establishing the kingdom of God. But I feel compelled in the Holy Ghost tonight and to a degree probably Sunday night to challenge you before you go trying to establish his kingdom out there. You better make sure it's established in here. Go back to the verse we know. We've used the prayer. We used it tonight. The Lord's Prayer. Please notice what He said. You are supposed to pray, Thy kingdom come, not my kingdom come. If we're not careful, sometimes we think God's job is to establish our kingdom. No. He's the king. So, so let me, let me, let me, let me, let me share this with you because the analogy I'm about to give you, I'm afraid, is how a lot of believers live. God's kingdom is not the United Kingdom. Here's what I mean by that. What I'm about to read is all taken from Wikipedia. I'm sorry I didn't credit the great authorities of Wikipedia. The monarchy of the United Kingdom, commonly referred to as the British monarchy, is the constitutional monarchy of the United Kingdom, and it oversees territories. The monarch's title is king for male or queen for female. The current monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, ascended the throne on the death of her father, King George VI, on February, on, on 6 February 1952. The British monarchy traces its origins or origins, origins, sorry, origins, origins, origins. <laughs> Thank God for my help meet. The British monarchy traces its origins from the petty kingdoms of early medieval Scotland and Anglo-Saxon England, which consolidated into the kingdoms of England and Scotland by the 10th century A.D. So, Basically, when we think of a normal, when we think of a king or a queen, we think of power and authority, right? But that's not the case. Her Majesty's government, commonly referred to as the British government, is the central government of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The government is led by the Prime Minister who selects all the remaining ministers. The Prime Minister and the other minister and the other most senior ministers belong to the supreme decision-making committee known as the cabinet. I am not the prime minister. Telling the king how to run his business. The British monarch, currently Queen Elizabeth II, is the head of the state and the sovereign. But look, look. My underline added, but not the head of government. 
That's us. You're the king. But I'm the head of the government. You're king, but I control my life. Oh, Brother Wright, here we go. Thursday night, you forgot with this isn't Sunday. Oh, I know, Thursday night. Thursday night with those that brave weather to get here. Look at this. The queen takes little direct part in governing the country. And remains neutral in political affairs. However, the legal authority of the state that is vested in the sovereign and known as the crown remains the source of the executive power used by the government. So, so today, not only do we have governments doing it, but now we have religious organizations that are saying, you stay up there on the throne while we handle the laws down here. And so you're the king, but we say abortion is okay. You're the king and we say same-sex marriage is okay. You're the king. See, we all want him to be the king in our lives, you know, be able to say that. As long as he's not really the king. In addition to explicit statutory authority in many areas, the crown also possesses a body of powers known as the royal prerogative, which can be used for a vast number of purposes, from the issue or withdrawal of passports to declaring war. By long-standing custom, most of these powers are delegated from the sovereign to various ministers or other officers of the crown who may use them without having to obtain the consent of parliament. The head of the government, the prime minister, also has weak... I love that. I think this is, this is such a classic picture of what takes place in Christianity a lot. The head of the government, the prime minister, also has a weekly meeting with the monarch where she has the right and duty to express her views on government matters. These meetings as well... These meetings, as with all communications between the queen and her government, remain strictly confidential. And this last part, this last part here is what I really love. Having expressed her views, the queen abides by the advice of her ministers. So they give the queen a weekly meeting to say whatever she wants to say. We're going to go do what we want to do. And when we go do what we want to do, we expect you to remain silent. Anybody willing to acknowledge the Holy Ghost might be talking to you tonight? I'll have some weekly meetings with you, Lord. Tell me everything you want to tell me. And then you go back to the palace while I go back to real world. You go sit on the throne and do all of your ceremonial things as king while I go run my life. Thy kingdom come. You can't have a kingdom established without a king. And it may work for Britain, but it don't work for him. We got a direct word from God, may have been preached by a man through the, through the 
the vessel of a man, but I believe we got a direct word from God Sunday night. And I believe it, we need to do what we were instructed to do. I'm doing my best to seek after God, to do my part in the responsibility that I have to you and this church to lead you into what was instructed to be done Sunday night. Call it my pastor's heart. Call it whatever you want to call it. But I feel burdened, compelled, challenged by the Holy Ghost to challenge you tonight before we go trying to take His kingdom afresh and anew out there in the enemy's kingdom, we better make sure that Thy kingdom has come in my life. God bless the USA. It's not what it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but I don't see you moving and I ain't leaving either. Whether we agree with who's in office or not, we all have the right to cast our vote to give our opinion. We hope our person gets in. If our person doesn't, then we got to figure out how to put up with the other man or woman that got in. Nobody ever voted on who was supposed to be king of kings and lord of lords. And it ain't about to start happening now. He is the king. He's the king. Whether you acknowledge it or not, He is the King. But if you don't acknowledge He is the King and allow Him to be the King, trouble's coming. Thy kingdom come. I, I, if, I, I don't know. I, I, I somewhat envy these guys that plan out messages and topics for months in advance. They, they announce what they're going to be teaching the next, you know, eight, 10, 12 weeks, and I think they map it all out in advance, and I don't know how to do that. I don't know where all we're going. I don't, for, and, and, and you're well aware, for all I know and you know, between now and next Thursday night, God may make a hard right turn, and this may be the only night, whatever. However, again, based on what I feel at this point, this be, I, I, I felt, again, last week and coming home, this was what I already felt. And I, I just feel like thy kingdom come is a way of summarizing what, what Bishop was saying Sunday night. We need his kingdom to come all over again and be reestablished, be reestablished re, re all throughout this area, throughout every area we are ministering to. We need the kingdom to come. If the kingdom comes, things are going to change. If the kingdom comes, if we can get the kingdom established, I know it may not happen in every situation and circumstances, but but I believe when the kingdom comes, it, it can affect crime rates and it can affect the economy and it can affect health. And, and when the kingdom comes, we need the kingdom. Want to figure out how to, how to deal with race? We need the kingdom. We need the kingdom to come. We need... Thy kingdom to come and be established. And, and there are some, there are some exciting, most of you already know a bunch of it. And, and, and I, I apologize. I, I think it's my lot in life to, 
to, to teach you the practical, basic, fundamental things of, of the Bible, and, and Bishop gets all the awe-inspiring revelations, and, and, and I come along, and I'm just nuts and bolts down to earth, and I, I don't want you pat me on the back. I'm not looking for that. That's not what I'm trying to get from you. So I, I know this, thy kingdom come. I understand. You're not... You're probably not sitting on the edge of your seat hoping Thursday night gets, next Thursday gets here sooner than normal. But I'll go back to what I said, what I've used, and I'm trying to learn to live it. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 or 2, which one is it, right, kids? 2. He said, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I've made up my mind. I'm going to keep reminding you of things. That you already know. It's one thing to know about the kingdom. It's another thing to have the kingdom being manifested in your life. And there's a whole lot of us that got a bunch of knowledge up here, but it's not becoming experiential knowledge. And, and head knowledge is one thing, but we're not in this just for head knowledge. Paul told Timothy one of the signs of the end times is they're going to ev be ever learning ever learning but never come to the knowledge of the truth. If I could paraphrase it in this context tonight, I don't want to be ever learning about God and not experience God. I don't want to be always finding out more information or knowledge about Him, but I want to experience Him. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what that is to me? That's another way of saying, your kingdom come. My life. Let your kingdom be established in my life. I think, my mind just went blank. What was the place that children of Israel were dwelling in in Egypt when they were in bondage? Goshen. I think you could look at that as a typology of the kingdom being established. And that while in Egypt all kind of plagues and chaos and problems and trouble was going on in Egypt, there was a place called Goshen where just because it happened in Egypt didn't mean it happened in Goshen. I think that's the kingdom. I think that's the kingdom being established. And so it's not just about us as a church establishing the kingdom. It's the kingdom being established in our lives so that individually we can experience the kingdom. There's power in the kingdom. There's righteousness, peace, and joy. And there's all kind of great things in the kingdom. But I do have to come under subjection to the divine will. I do have to give up ownership and rulership of my life for the kingdom to truly be established. Would you stand, please? I believe we're on the verge of some great, exciting things that God is going to do. One of the confused, messed up doctrines of the a part of Christianity today is that you are predestined to be saved. That's already decided, and so you either are or you aren't. That, the church, the church is predestined 
to be saved. The church is predestined for glory, or to, for victory. The church is predestined that when Jesus Christ returns for it, it's going to be a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. This church has some awesome, great promises that God has given. And if God made a promise, He's got to fulfill that promise. So the question is not whether the church is going to be victorious and glorious or whether Antioch is going to see the fulfillment of God's promises. The only question is who is going to be participants in what God is going to do. So I'm challenging. I know there are those of you that are watching at home tonight, and I plan to communicate that those, to those that weren't here or weren't at home or, or weren't watching at home tonight uh, to, 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 to watch or listen to tonight because I, I, I feel it's very critical where we're about to go. Because we're, we're, about, to, we're about to go. But before we go, and try to get His kingdom established without it being established here. That's going to be trouble. It'll be trouble. There'll be a lot of things happen as repercussions of that that shouldn't have to happen if the kingdom is truly established in your life. You join me just right where you are just for a moment. We're going to close. You join with me tonight, you in your own words, your own way. Would you talk to the Lord for a moment? Would you talk to Him about His kingdom in your life? That it would be established, not just like the British monarchy where it's, where it's somewhat of a figurehead and the real power and authority is limited. But God, I, I want You to be a true King in my life. I want you to sit on the throne of my life and you've got the authority to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. And my response is going to be obedience. It's going to be submission because I want you to be the king of my life. Father, I pray tonight that you would help us. You instructed us when you gave us a pattern for prayer. One of the first things we're supposed to pray is for your kingdom to come. But it's not just for your kingdom to come in this world, God. We need your kingdom to come in our lives individually. <clears throat> I pray that you would help us tonight, God, that we would not fall into a trap or fall into the deception of trying to establish your kingdom everywhere else when it's not first and foremost established in our lives individually of trying to get your government set up in somebody else's life or in a geographical location when your government is not first functioning and operating in our own lives. Help us tonight. I pray, God, that over the next couple of days, your Spirit would speak to us. That if there are areas in our lives that we have taken control of, if, if there's areas in our lives that we are not allowing you to be in charge of fully, you would talk to us, you would deal with us, you would help us to find a brand new place of surrender and yielding to you, that you would truly be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but that we would acknowledge that and allow you to be that in our lives. We need your kingdom to come. We need your kingdom to come in our individual lives and we need your kingdom to come in our ministries. We need your kingdom to come in our communities. We need your kingdom to come, God. We need it to be established. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, help us tonight by Your grace. By Your grace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let there be a new, a fresh spirit of surrender that would come to our lives. A a new spirit, a fresh spirit of submission to You as the King. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. God bless you. Again, thank you for being here tonight. I appreciate you making the effort to come one more time. Please, please be careful when you leave tonight. Please don't be in a hurry walking in the parking lot or driving. 